seeing the people and realizing how much they cared about their dogs and how much they might also have been struggling in their own lives, but they were still there trying to do the best they could for their dogs. Listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 34, part two of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host, Erin Scott, and thank you so much for being here today. I hope you had a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of those who are celebrating. And I can't believe we are here wrapping up the last podcast of 2021. Thank you for being here with me during a whole nother year of the Believe in Dog podcast. It's really a joy and an honor to share each episode with you. I started this podcast to be able to share the stories with you that I see in the world that I think are just so beautiful, and I'm endlessly inspired and curious and fascinated when I look around and see how much good is happening inspired by the love of a dog. And I'm so excited to bring to you today more stories from 10 years of the Be More Dog Wellness Clinics. I shared with you in part one that Be More Dog is the organization I have volunteered with since 2008. And in 2011, we piloted our first community event called Community Pitbull Day, where we would bring a free vaccine clinic to an under-resourced, disconnected community in Baltimore City. Much like we hear the term food deserts for neighborhoods that lack access to fresh foods and grocery stores, many of these same communities are also veterinary deserts. So it was really important to us to be able to bring services directly into communities where access to transportation is an issue. And when we very first started the clinics, one of our main goals was to bring rabies vaccines into communities to help people be in compliance with animal control laws. But we very quickly realized that there were a lot of people and a lot of dogs out there that needed more help than just a rabies vaccine or a distemper parvo combo shot. And that's where Dr. Michelle Myers comes in. Veterinarian extraordinaire. And I'm so excited that you'll be able to hear from her in part two today. We'll also hear from Be More Dog board member Jennifer, who has a career dedicated to anti-poverty policy, and then also volunteers her free time with the Be More Dog wellness clinics. And we'll also hear from Be More Dog board members John and Christina, and volunteers V, Garrick, and Rachel. I was really interested in, in what sparked everyone's interest in doing this kind of work in the community, and about the experiences that they have. Have they learned things? Have there been people and animals' stories that stick with them that they'll never forget? And what keeps them coming back, even when it's hard, and even when it's a lot of work? And if you're in the Baltimore area and would like to volunteer at a Be More Dog Wellness Clinic, I'll have a link in the show notes that'll take you right to our volunteer form. 
And if you're anywhere in the world and would like to support the work of Be More Dog in the community, I'll have a link in the show notes that'll take you right to our donation page. Your donation of $25 can sponsor one dog through the Be More Dog Wellness Clinics by paying for a sturdy leash and collar, vaccines, dewormer, flea tick treatment, and an enrichment toy. And as a 501c3 nonprofit organization, your donations to Be More Dog are tax deductible as allowed by law. I really loved hearing each person's experiences and reflections on the work that we've done over the last 10 years. It's truly my honor to be able to volunteer side by side with these amazing people. In part one, Pauline and I discussed the challenges of starting the Be More Dog Wellness Clinic, and one of them was finding a veterinarian who is willing to set up shop in a park outside to vaccinate dogs. And we were so grateful to Dr. Johnny, the veterinarian who first agreed to take a chance on Be More Dog. And it was in November of 2013 when Dr. Michelle Myers first started volunteering at the Be More Dog Wellness Clinics, then known as Community Pitbull Day. And she jumped into action right away with just an amazing spirit that endears her to all the volunteers and all the clients who have the opportunity to interact with her. I'm so excited for you to hear from Dr. Michelle Myers. So I am here today with one of my favorite people, Dr. Michelle Myers. How are you? I'm so good. It's so nice to talk to you. You're one of my favorite people too. And I was trying to remember, uh, do you know how long it's been since you first started volunteering with Be More Dog? Yeah, I started in 2013. I can't recall how many clinics we had that year that I got to do that year, but ever since. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you've come to every clinic since 2015. I knew that. And then you had done like several before that too. Yeah, I would have been annoyed for missing them. So again, I apologize. I'm sure I already apologized, but I apologize again. (laughs) (laughs) So I was curious how you first found out about Be More Dog and what made you want to get involved. So my colleague, Dr. Candace Watts, was asked by one of our mutual patients who was on the board at that time, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, Diana was asking if she could just find any veterinarian at the last minute to come and help because I think somebody had um, had to inadvertently change plans quickly. So for so long, I'd been wanting to get involved doing sort of community clinics and didn't know the right way to break into it. So it was a really welcome, serendipitous, kind of mutually beneficial relationship. What made you want to do that type of work or why was that important to you? So a lot of the work that I do on a daily basis is definitely important work, but it's it carries its own special value when you can help people and animals that you know would not otherwise ever get to really go to have go to a vet, have an in-depth, thoughtful conversation in the areas that really need it most that don't get to see veterinarians. And it's, it's something I had, you know, always carried a great love for pit bulls. And at the time, I don't know if we still call it community pit bull days per se, but at the time it was, you know, especially pit bull oriented, pit bull named. And fortunately for me and us, it continues to be that way. It's just always, they've been my favorite breed forever and ever. So how long have you been a veterinarian? I graduated vet school in 1999. So amazingly over 20 years. So I'm always curious, like I love animals. You love animals. I have never thought hey, I'd like to cut one open and help them. <laughs> um, what, what was it that drew you to that profession? 
I have always liked science. You know, my mom had, you know, from an early age gotten me geared that way with chemistry sets and things like that. And we were forever, you know, picking up animals off the street. And, you know, it was basically like if we saw a stray, it was very obvious that it was just going to become our, our animal immediately. Um, as far as, you know, the specifics, when you, when you have an underlying interest in science and I'm constantly infiltrated with animals, it's, it's not a hard stretch. I did think for a while that I was going to be a physician, but you know, I, it can sound terrible, but just my heart wasn't in it the same way that it is for animals. And the, the cutting them open part is just sort of an extra bonus. <laughs> Because gross stuff is super fun, but it's just, you know, the the intense sort of combined passion and compassion at the same time. I, I had I had the passion for medicine, but it's it's the animals that really make the compassion hit home too. So anybody who has ever been fortunate enough to to work and volunteer alongside you, we all tell the same stories <laughs> that impresses us of, you know, a lot of times we'll see dogs that have like an ear infection and you will just bare hand <laughs> into the ear to, to see what's going on and smell. And we're all like, Oh my God. That is diagnostic excellence, ma'am. That there was a, um, I can't take credit for it, but, uh, Dr. Justine Lee, who is in charge of founding vet girl said that smell is one of the diagnostic things you should employ because it's totally free and it really does help to decide, is this yeast? Is it bacteria? And, you know, when you're out in the field and you don't have the luxury of diagnostics, you make use of what you got. And I'm always curious what, what your experience is like, like, what have you, have you felt like you have learned anything from doing the clinics? Is there anything that has surprised you over the years? Sure. So I, I certainly have learned things. I mean, clearly it's, if it's not already evident, I mean, they're my most favorite days of the year. I look forward to all, all year round, you know, there's, there's lots of opportunities to get to be helpful and to do good, but those are really super rewarding on the most personal level as far as, you know, what kind of things I've learned. I kind of try to perfect my histories when I'm talking to people because things may seem uh, just terribly obvious to an owner from their perspective and not terribly obvious to me. It's, you really have to dig deeply with regard to asking about environment and, and diet and things of, of that nature, people will say, oh yeah, they, he definitely, you know, he eats, he eats, you know, he eats all the time. Well, you know, they're eating trash and getting into things. And maybe that's one of the causes for the problems for which they're standing in front of me. So, um, yeah, that's, I wish I could think of another specific. Do you have any, uh, like favorite stories or people or dogs that, that have stuck with you over the years that, that you always think about? Yeah, let's see. Um, there's, um, there's one gentleman who initially brought his, his duo of pitties and I'm sure you know him too, but he's, he's got two little pitties that had Demodex and then he followed up with wanting to help at another clinic. That's just really, you know, full circle kind of involvement for me. And I, I really appreciate it because 
you know, they, from his perspective, I'm sure he was grateful that he, you know, got, got the information and got the treatment he needed. And he just wanted to pay it forward, which is super, even though, you know, there's not much money to be given. There's a lot of time and heart to be given. It always makes my heart smile when at the end of our events, we'll talk and Jennifer will say, yeah, someone donated 20 bucks. I mean, that's amazing for people that are, you know, definitely not living large and just truly are appreciative and want to say thank you. Um, kinds of cases too, that stick with me are the animals that just come super, super matted up. And, and that's not even necessarily a veterinary thing. Now, sometimes it is because I have to explain that that's uncomfortable. It's not simply an aesthetic for a pet. It's, it's a comfort thing and God bless the groomers that sit there and get those animals back into shape and, you know, feeling, feeling quote unquote human again for the dogs. So, you know, those are, those are the experiences that are really meaningful and, and stick with me. And what keeps bringing you back to, to volunteer your time with us? All the stuff I just said. <laughs> um, I, I cannot, I cannot imagine a better use for my time than, than coming to clinics. You know, we see some cases that unfortunately don't turn out the way we want, but I, I have a lot to give in the way of, you know, in the way of energy and education to people. I think it's my, my duty to get out there. I like to see everybody that has that same kind of, you know, unconditional compassion for what we're doing. It's, you know, it's nice to get out there. It's, it, it's, it's part of my life that I can't imagine living without, you know, indefinitely. One thing I'm always curious about. So when you come to the clinics, uh, you have all kinds of bins of uh, medicines, you know, antibiotics, uh, ear medicine, eye medicine, what kind of prep work are you doing on the back end that we don't even get to see? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> you know, what is, what is going in behind the scenes that, that we don't even get to see for, for you to get ready for the clinics? Sure. So m many times when a pet passes away or even you know, rarely, if they just don't tolerate a medication, owners will donate their medication. So none of the medications that I bring have I purchased. It's, you know, I, I'm simply just driving them there. I do spend a lot of time organizing them into kind of different categories and making sure that, um, you know, I have things at the ready, but the clients that I talk to generally know that, that I, we do these clinics and, um, I've even been given money in exam rooms before people, people will say, just use this and buy some meds for the, for your clinics that you do, um, which is super sweet. But yeah, the, the idea is just, you know, not to have anything go to waste. It's, it's an insanely ridiculous how much some of these things cost, unfortunately, and to waste them just seems criminal. And, you know, they are, they're donated. I, I always let people know that they're donated so that there's, you know, that there's no expectation that they're, um, always brand new, but I think the recipients and the donors get, get a joy from using them. And also with the partnership that we've established with the Maryland SPCA, they really have taken it up a notch too, because they will bring their own supplies to augment what I have. And it's been a nice relationship as we've grown to work with 
more veterinarians on site and, you know, we'll just share our things back and forth. And so again, I guess more to your point of what goes into it, it's, um, it's just, you know, year round donation taking and, and sorting and, and telling people how much their donations and passing it forward has meant. And we've even, from a procedural aspect, tried to evolve, you know, so that we have labels printed that match up and have the instructions written on them. And um, I like to think that we we try anyway to to do a good job to keep evolving with with what we see the the needs to be, so that we can keep filling them as best as possible. Yeah, you of course have perfected that. I'm I'm grateful. I would not do this without Aaron Scott behind me writing down all the crap that comes out of my mouth as quickly as it comes out and sometimes uh, contradictorily and you have to correct me. And it, it's really, it's been nice to, to again, have the pieces just sort of, uh, like you said, evolve and fit together because I, I'm like a tiny piece of what we're doing. And I just really appreciate all the, all that that goes into it from your perspective as well. I, I know it's, it's so much behind the scenes work. I know you're asking me questions, but just know that. <laughs> you have just really uh, embodied kind of what what we want to bring to the to the clinics, and uh, we're so grateful for you. And and we wouldn't be able to offer people the opportunity to see a vet if we didn't have a vet. So <laughs> you are a huge huge part of that. It's my pleasure, and like I said, selfishly, it's it's beyond important to me to get the opportunity to come and to get to serve. It, it means so much. I'm so grateful to Dr. Myers for sharing her experiences with us. I've been so fortunate to volunteer side by side with her for all of these last eight years or so, and I have a couple great moments that I thought I would share real quick. So when you're outside having a vet clinic in a park, you just have to make do with what materials you have on hand. And as I talked about with Dr. Myers, we see a lot of dogs with ear infections, and she will every time just bare hand, stick her finger in the dog's ear, and smell whatever gunk comes out. And most of the time, we have the medications on hand to treat the most common causes of ear infections, which are usually yeast and bacteria. But I remember one day in particular, we didn't have exactly what we needed for this particular dog. And I just love Dr. Myers's MacGyver veterinarian spirit because she compounded the medication that she needed right there. I think we used a plastic cup and one of those wooden coffee stirrers, but I was so impressed <laughs> with that type of solution-oriented problem solving. She was determined that we were going to get this dog the medication that he needed with the supplies we had on hand, and we were going to make it work, and I just love that type of dedication and ingenuity. There's other times when we don't have a medication on hand, and Dr. Myers will write a prescription for the pet parent to get the medication that they need. And sometimes it's difficult due to financial reasons or transportation reasons. And we actually had a volunteer that was working in a pharmacy and she could arrange for the medication to be delivered. And sometimes the organization would even pay for it if we needed to. And we really did just have this kind of bootstrap, grassroots, let's just make it work kind of mentality to get people the services that they needed. And it's why I'm just so proud to be a part of it. Next, we're going to hear from Beamer Dog board member and vice president, Jennifer. I really loved hearing the story of how she first got involved with Be More Dog because she's one of those people that's just been around so long now that I didn't really know her Be More Dog origin story. 
I also find Jennifer's commitment to anti-poverty work so incredibly inspiring that she not only does it professionally, she's doing it in her free time too. So let's get started with Be More Dog Board Vice President Jennifer. So I'm here today with Jennifer from the Be More Dog Board. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Erin. So I was looking back, when was it that you started volunteering with Be More Dog? Oh my goodness. I think it was um, about 10 years ago. I can hardly remember exactly, uh, but it actually was, um, I think, right around the time uh, that Marylanders were dealing with the Tracy versus Seleski decision. And it really kind of brought to the forefront how lucky I was to be able to care for my dog, who uh, you know could be categorized as a pit bull and really how hard it might be for other people um, without, you know, access to economic resources or as much power to really be navigating a hostile legal system for their dog in addition to everything else. And what made you want to start volunteering with us? Was it the BSL issue? I think that is what sort of uh, really activated me. Once I kind of started, I really really enjoyed seeing kind of the bond that we all have as fellow dog owners across the city um, with all my neighbors when I lived in Baltimore. Um, and I really, uh, as you know, uh, professionally, I've worked in uh, anti-poverty policy for decades, but really uh, kind of at a more structural level. And I really liked kind of this positive strength-based approach, uh, really uh, reaching out to try to empower people with resources to care for their pets the way we all want to, really recognizing that sort of having a pet as a companion is not a treat or something that you need, um, you know, money or access to resources to be good at, but it's something for the good of us as people and for the good of animals, we, we need everyone out there to, who's able to take good care of their pets. So I think um, while I was really initially focused on that pit bull piece, um, it quickly became much more universal for me and really linked back to you know my larger anti-poverty work as well. We're so fortunate to have you. What volunteer role do you usually uh, perform at the clinics? So I lead the check-in, um, which I really like to think about welcoming people to the clinic and being kind of the first space that people see. We try to be really friendly, be really um, excited that people are there, that they're taking so much time out of their day to take care of their pets. We really try to connect based on their dogs um, and get the information in a way that's as quick and easy as possible and doesn't feel clinical. Uh, make sure people are really well oriented to the day and to the event and just mostly let them know we're really glad that they're there. And so you usually are dealing with a line of people and barking dogs and, you know, it's no, uh, no lie to say, you know, we often get over a hundred dogs, even over, we've even at times had over 150 dogs. And, and so all of them are coming, you know, you're the first point of contact for all of them. And, Somebody had recently joked and said, you guys were like the front of the house and uh, the vaccine clinic is like the back of house. And so I usually am in the vaccine clinic, but I always hope that you know that it's not lost on me, that you bring such order to the chaos in the very beginning that gets everything moving. 
That's nice to hear. Yeah, because I feel like we're the not very fun part of the day because no one uh, likes to stand in line. I certainly don't. No one likes to uh, repeat their, you know, name and phone number again. So you're kind of like the exciting part of the day that everyone is waiting for at the end. So that's nice to hear. And so what do you feel like you have learned from the clinics over the years? Is there anything that has surprised you? Oh, that's a really good question. Um I don't know if it's so much surprised me, but I've been really just touched by people kind of remembering us, remembering our conversations from year to year, really coming back and saying, we talked about this or we did that, or, um, you know, I've seen you for several years and that was really kind of bad during COVID when we didn't see people. So it just has really, um, that part always kind of takes me by surprise and really touches me because I'm actually not sure, like... At my vet visits, if I remember everything from year to year. So that's always really, really sweet. And I think just the kind of repeat customers that we get, just the way people are just so invested and interactive. It's a nice feeling. Um, and it does always take me by surprise a little bit like, oh, yeah, I remember you, but that's nice that you remember me too. So we experienced that at the vaccine station also. And it is nice to see. Like we do, we often, often see the same people over and over again, and we'll see their dogs as a puppy and we see them, you know, as they get a little older. And it's really special to me when we do have those kinds of connections, you know, and and are remembered like that. Yeah, that's definitely a really special thing that, that I didn't necessarily expect ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any favorite people or people that stand out to you or favorite stories that, that stick with you? Uh, I was thinking about this. In a way, it's sort of uh, a blur, but it's like every person we talk to has such a strong relationship with their pet. You can tell even just in a few minutes in that short interaction. Um, And that always, I think, really um, the concern that people have, the questions they have, the care that they show, it just really gets me every time. And so while there are uh, sort of, you know, dogs that are cuter or less cute to me, or uh, maybe people that I relate to more or less. I think just the way that commonality in everyone really caring about their pet and being able to make that connection with people, um, even in the very short time we have with them at check-in. I mean, I just, you know, carry their faces with me and their dogs, cute little mugs with me. So, yeah. And what keeps bringing you back? I mean, you're on the board, you put in a lot of time behind the scenes, you know, it's a year round job for all of us, even to run these clinics that we do. And of course, we obviously all have full time jobs and family and other life commitments going on. What keeps bringing you back? So the reason that I keep coming back is because I actually really enjoy it. I love seeing the people at the clinics. I love working with all of the volunteers. It's really, I think we really challenge ourselves to just continually improve to figure out how we can do better um, in terms of adding services, being more efficient. I love the way we after action everything and just are always making changes. And so that, especially as someone who spends most of her days and sadly nights working in a large intractable bureaucracy, which is um, also I'm very committed to the mission, but I really like how we uh, just make change and act on it, how we can within one day make positive change for 
so many people. And so I think, you know, I spend a lot of time thinking about larger structural issues, which are very important to chip away at. But pairing that with being able to just, um, you know, really empower someone in a matter of hours is just really rewarding for me. And I um, feels great. Yes, you actually brought up something uh, that I think is very important is how we do take it very seriously to uh, debrief or what was the term after action? I like that. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, because it is important to us to continuously be improving our process. You know, we want everyone to have a good experience, an efficient experience. Uh, Like I said, there's often 100, you know, or more dogs. There's at least one person, but a lot of times there's a whole family, you know, with them. So it's a lot of people, a lot of dogs, you know, that we're moving. We're trying to keep everyone safe uh, and be efficient and provide these services. And, and yeah, we do take it very seriously seriously and, and continuously and improving. And sometimes, you know, we're like, we're going to pilot this and, and, and see how it goes and come back and evaluate. And while it's rather informal and not like a painful process, yeah. that, that is essentially, you know, the big process of, of what we're doing. And, and I also enjoy, enjoy that we do that. And it's always important to me in all areas of my life to sort of continuously be evaluating and improving. And, and I, I think we, we have a, a good team and a good attitude for everybody, you know, being on that same page all the time. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's really, I really like everyone's just commitment to continuous improvement and it feels uh, really good to be part of a group where everyone is just asking, what can we do better? Is there anything else you'd like to share with us? I think I really, you know, one of the things I really love about uh, the opportunity to do this work is it feels really strengths-based in a way that I think maybe a lot of other um, kind of anti-poverty work is not. So it's really focused on helping people connect with the resources they need to take care of a pet that they love. And I, it just... I love that, just that really joyful piece. It's not sort of a a negative assessment or what someone's doing wrong or what they need to correct. And I really, um, just really enjoy being able to connect with people in that way. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Erin. I always joke with Jennifer that I want to be like her when I grow up. She brings such a level of professionalism to everything that she does, and she teaches me great words like after action. And I also love the term that she used to describe Be More Dog's commitment to continuous improvement. It really is something that we take so seriously and is the reason why we're having all these meetings and emails all the time. I really enjoy getting to volunteer alongside people who want to do more and do better to serve the community. Our next guest is Be More Dog board member John Frank, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you actually heard John on episode 5 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I did want to mention real quick that many of the Be More Dog board members were being interviewed with their dogs by their side, and sometimes it's funny because you can hear them sort of snorting or grunting or whining in the background. And John's dog, Hammer, also wanted to be part of the fun. So if you hear something in the background that sounds like somebody might be tap dancing, I believe that that is Hammer's nails on John's flooring. So let's get started with board member John Frank. So I'm here today with John Frank from the Be More Dog board. Hi, John. Hello. Thank you for being here. This is your second time on the podcast. I know. I'm a regular now. So... 
take me back. I'm, I was trying to remember when was it that you started volunteering with Be More Dog? Um, well, I forget as well because uh, my concept of time is terrible. But it's been probably at least seven, eight years, I think, if if I remember correctly. How did you first hear about us? Well, I was volunteering at Barks, and I took one of the classes for leveling up that Pauline taught. And she, in her kind of introduction of herself, um, you know, she just mentioned that she was the president of, of Be More Dog. So I, um, I checked it out sometime later, you know, Googled it or whatever. And, and I just, I, uh, I liked the, you know, they mentioned the, the humane education thing. And then of course the clinics. And, and I just, I thought that was really cool stuff because, you know, the humane education part, especially, you know, trying to reach kids, you know, when they're, when they're young. And so I decided to give it a shot. Well, we're glad to have you. Thank you. And so when we have the clinics, what is your volunteer role, the position that you, you do? Uh, so I'm doing, uh, well, now that uh, somewhat created, I guess, by me, sort of. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing line management. So I'm just managing the line of people, uh, the clients that are there. Because, uh, as you know, some of some of the spots are are people show up early and and the line can get pretty crazy and and so we need to to kind of manage it and help keep everybody in order so they get checked in in the order at which they come so they're not getting you know passed over or or, or you know getting ignored and so. I think I was thinking we were social distancing before there was social distancing <laughs> because we wanted to keep people and dogs safe and not have dogs like, you know, interacting or, or causing any kind of kerfluffle. And so, you know, and sometimes at, at some of the locations where we're seeing, you know, 100, 150 dogs, I mean, we'll have a line two hours before the event of people you know, wanting to get services. And yeah. I know you've been doing the clinics now for, for several years, and I'm always curious, what do you think you have learned from doing these? Is there is there anything that surprises you? What has your experience been like? I've learned that just because somebody doesn't have the resources for something doesn't mean they're a bad owner, doesn't mean they're a terrible person or anything like that, you know? And sometimes people just... Um, it's also too, they just don't know any better. Right. So, and, and so like, they're not doing something or not doing something because they're terrible. It's just because, oh, well, they didn't know, you know, like, oh, they didn't know this was a problem or this should be done or whatever, you know, cause nobody's ever told them otherwise. Sometimes when I tell people in my, you know, quote, normal life about it and talk about it, you know, they kind of, look at me a little weird, not weird, but just kind of like, oh, okay. Most people are very like, oh, that's really cool, you know, but I have a feeling they don't really understand. <laughs> but, you know, I try to, I try to present it in a very positive light and that it's, it's valuable work. And, and I know there's been people that have commented or, you know, something to the effect of, well, 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 that's just kind of like enabling them or, you know, why are, why are we helping them if they don't have the means or, or whatever, right. To, to keep a dog. And, and to me, it's just that that's a complicated 
very complicated answer and complicated solution, right? But to me, that's that doesn't matter. The point is they have the animal. Let's help take care of it, you know? Because at the end of the day, the dog still deserves that. The person still deserves that. I think I've just learned a lot about the communities, um, which is really cool. You know, I think myself included, you know, people have a lot of perceptions about these communities that are, you know, um, not great. <laughs> and uh, not not that, that I felt nearly as bad as, as some people, you know, but, you know, I've just learned to, to see that how nice the people are and like, you know, how much they do care about their animals, you know, even though they may not have, have as many resources as, as others, but they still really care, you know, and I see the, the vast majority of the people that are just genuinely appreciative and everything. Just, it just has been just really, you know, rewarding experience overall. I really enjoy it, even though it's as, as crazy as it can get sometimes and as busy as it can get. You know, at least for me, it's usually busy at the very beginning. But, you know, just seeing the, the community come out and people loving their dogs and talking to other people and and just, you know, being able to, to, to help people and help the dogs. Because obviously I care about the dogs. They also wouldn't be there, especially now that we've been able to kind of expand on some things like, you know, Dr. Michelle coming in and doing so much more. You know, I love seeing that too, just being seeing the dogs being able to get maybe some medicine that they couldn't have otherwise or or find out something about their dog that they can treat, you know, um, that they couldn't have otherwise. So just doing that little bit extra has been also really, really nice to see. Yeah, I think that's something that we've learned as we've gone. We, what we we try very hard to, if we see a need in the community, we try to address it. And we're, you know, with with Elwood, for instance, we have gone there every you know ten years in a row now, and we have been, you know, we try to commit to the area, the you know the best that we can, and and. and see what the needs are and respond to that and, and listen, you know, we really have tried to respond to what we see. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's different. It's, it's been interesting too, just seeing the changes in the communities too, after doing this for several years, you know, just the, well, the changes in the people and the changes in the types of dogs, you know, obviously when, when I started, it was it was mostly pit bulls, you know, or pit bull type dogs, and now we're seeing just all kinds. I mean, you know, all kinds of small dogs, all kinds of dogs we'd never think we'd ever see. I mean, that one guy came to Brooklyn with a uh, Caucasian Shepherd. I was just like not expecting to see that <laughs> like at all. So, yeah, that's been another cool aspect of it too. And actually, you just reminded me with like the neighborhood demographics, we have seen an increase in some neighborhoods in so much Spanish speaking. And so Mm -hmm. it was really exciting this year that we had bilingual volunteers to help. And, you know, we're so fortunate with Dr. Myers that she has sort of a working knowledge of, uh, Spanish through her volunteer works, you know, abroad where she does her world vet trips. And then we found out that our other veterinarians were also uh, bilingual. So it's 
really, it was really exciting to me this year that that was another way that we were able to serve the communities. Yeah, that was, that was really huge, um, especially at Elwood. It ended up coming in handy so much and just being able to make sure that those people are getting what they need and there's no, you know, they're not being overlooked or, or, you know, just walking away with something that they could have had. So that was, yeah, it was so great to see that, just to be able to communicate better and make sure they got to all the stations and, and everything like that. And those two, those two volunteers ended up not only just because of their language skills, but they were really, really good, just general volunteers too. So that was, that was awesome. Do you have any favorite uh, stories from doing the clinics or, or people who have made an impression on you that, that uh, you always think of? <laughs> um, you know, I, oh God, I feel so terrible. I can never remember the guy's name, uh, but he comes to Park Heights every year and he's just, you know, the nicest guy and he's always just so like appreciative, you know, he, he just, he talks to us like we've known him forever and you know, he clearly cares about his dog. I mean, I remember the first, one of the first times I remember him that really stuck out. He's like, he's like live streaming, walking around the clinic, you know? And he's like, cause he's trying to like tell his friends in the neighborhood, like, you know, Hey, come on out here. You know, they got a lot of stuff and, and everything like that. So that guy always, um, brightens my day every time we go to park heights. And I just love seeing all the dogs seeing all the dogs all over the place, you know, some of them just so stinking happy and, and, you know, it's just always good to see. And yeah, like the relationships between the people and, and their dogs just yeah. makes me happy. <laughs> yes. That's, that's a great point as well. Yeah. You can tell that some of them just, I mean, you know, they absolutely love their, their dog and it is just their true member of the family, not just, not just this animal that lives with him. So with you being on the board, I know how much work that goes in behind the scenes. You know, we have a lot of meetings. There's a lot of preparations that go into this in addition to the day of the event. What is it that keeps bringing you back to volunteer and, and to do this year after year? Um, I mean, just everything. <laughs> I really enjoy uh, being part of the process, being somewhat of a factor, you know, no matter how big or small it may be, but, you know, in the operation of the, or, you know, the organization, you know, helping to make decisions and, 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 you know, guide things in one direction or another. I, I love, I love that. And I mean, it's, Still, at the end of the day, it's still the thing that brought me there to begin with. And it's the dogs, you know, being able to help them in, in whatever way that we can, you know, even if they don't even get any vaccines or whatever, but just maybe they get a, a visit with the vet and get a get a good look over and an examination just to see, you know, everything's OK. And, uh, you know, and again, just like I touched on before, you know, just seeing the actual love people have for their animals, you know, and, and the general appreciation that people have for 
you know, somebody doing something. We always get it at the very least one person, every clinic that just, or that I will observe, at least there may be more that are happening that I'm not seeing, but that comes up and and says, and, and just has, you know, you can feel it in them just this like thank you so much or something to that effect you know it's this like deep emotion in them because because they care and um seeing something like this succeed and be consistent you know just year after year so so i mean even the people too it's just you know it's just been just been a really good experience and quite frankly uh and an honor as as cheesy as that sounds that's wonderful thank you so much john oh my gosh i loved everything john had to share about working in the community and how much we've done over the years to try to respond to the needs of the community Because of our wonderful volunteers and the partnerships we've built, we're able to offer things like microchips now at every clinic. We have a station set up with volunteer groomers who are sometimes doing over 100 nail trims a day, plus trying to help us with any matted dogs. We're able to offer dewormer for any puppies or other dogs showing signs of worms coming through the clinic, and also send them home with their follow-up dose as well. We send as many dogs as possible home with a three-month supply of frontline or other flea tick preventive treatments. We have a wonderful pet pantry partnership program now, try saying that four times fast, so that every dog owner can go home with a supply of dog food, and sometimes even other goodies too, like beds, toys like a Kong, and even things like treats. And this is in addition to the other services we offer, like the veterinary exam, the vaccines, the treatment for any illnesses that we can do on site, or we send you home with a prescription to the pharmacy, free spay-neuter sign-up, and of course, leashes, collars, and harnesses. And for the medical situations we see that take more than something that could be treated on site, we do have referrals to partners that can follow up with the family and do their best to make arrangements that are within the family's budget. This is something we could have only have dreamed of 10 years ago when we first started doing the clinics, and it's been very exciting to see the programs grow in this way. Talking to John also reminded me of our Spanish-speaking volunteers, and that was definitely one of the high points for 2021. We've definitely seen certain communities that have had an increase in Spanish speakers over the last 10 years, and we are so fortunate that all of our veterinarians are bilingual or nearly bilingual, but to have the bilingual skills right from entering the clinic was really wonderful to have. Okay, next we are going to hear from Be More Dog board member Christina. I was really excited to hear Christina's Be More Dog origin story also. As she's someone else who's been around for a really long time now, but I wasn't sure where we had picked her up along the way. So let's get started with Be More Dog board member Christina Gallo. So I am here with Christina from the Be More Dog board. Hi, Christina. Hi, Erin. Thank you so much for being here. So I was trying to think back, how long has it been now that you've been volunteering with Be More Dog? Yeah, I was actually trying to figure that out too to get ready for this. And it looks like I started coming to the board meetings at the very beginning of 2016. So I'm pretty sure I must have started volunteering either in 2014 or 2015. And what made you want to start volunteering with Be More Dog? How did you get introduced to us? <laughs> right. And so I don't remember a specific um, event or conversation, but 
I adopted my dog from Barks in, I guess it was the end of 2012. And at that time, Pauline, who's the president of Be More Dog, was volunteering at Barks as well. And so I met her through volunteering at Barks. And then I also had Pauline train my dog once I adopted her. So I'm pretty sure it was through those connections with Pauline that I found out about Be More Dog. I was generally interested in, you know, helping in the community, helping dog owners in the community. Uh, So when the organization of Be More Dog was brought up through Pauline, it was definitely something that I was interested in. And I did like also that it was like these single day volunteer events, especially at the beginning before I got really involved, that you could just commit to one day. Yes. Now uh, you've committed to a lot more than one day. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so what is the volunteer role that you participate in at the clinics? Well, so the thing that I've done the most for sure is check-in and registration. So when our clients arrive, I would be one of the people that would first come up to them to do their paperwork, to register them and their dog for the event. And that's what I've done the vast majority of the time. And then just this year, I actually started doing um, a little bit more at some of the vaccine stations when we needed help. Um, We needed more people because we started to have more vaccine stations, which is awesome. Instead of just, we used to have one and then we've had two and now we're up to three this year. So um, we we needed more people doing the paperwork and such at the vaccine stations. So I started doing that this year. What has that been like for you? It's been interesting. It's a very different because obviously I'm not really interacting very much with um, the clients coming to the event. I'm interacting more with like the vets and the vet techs and such at the vaccine station, because even though the clients might be coming to the vaccine station, I'm very much focused on like the paperwork. <laughs> so I don't really interact with them as much. So it is it's a very different perspective on the events, right? Because I feel like I'm kind of then back there at the vaccine station, so focused on like the details of what's going on there that you don't know what's happening um, up front. Whereas before I had a lot more visibility of, you know, all the people coming in. And if we had any issues with like loose dogs or just, you know, kind of little chaotic things that might happen, I was usually more aware of those things um, when I was up at the check-in station. But I enjoy doing both things. I think both are important. So yeah, I don't even know if I could say I prefer one over the other at this point. They're definitely just different. I heard somebody use the metaphor of check-in being like front of house and vaccine <laughs> station being like back of house. And I, I really yeah. liked that metaphor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's definitely different. And I guess the other thing I do see more at the vaccine station, I get to see a little bit more of the dogs and maybe issues that the dogs might actually have. Whereas when you're up at check-in, you're kind of more focused on the people. You might look at the dog a little bit just to see if there's anything concerning but you don't know as much of the details of, you know, what the vet actually ends up doing with the dogs, which you get more insight into that, obviously, if you're at the vaccine station. So So is there anything that you uh, have learned from doing the clinics or anything that has surprised you over the years? I would say the biggest thing for me was like, so when I had started at the vaccine clinics, I had only been volunteering at Barks for maybe a year, if even that, right? And I still had a little bit of the mentality, um, and I know you've talked about this before on your podcast, Erin, like I still had a little bit of the idea that maybe people shouldn't adopt dogs if they couldn't afford it or things like that. And once I started coming to the Be More Dog events, that really helped just that transition, that whole idea out of my head. Like I... I don't know, I guess it was like seeing the people and realizing how much they cared about their dogs and how much they might also have been struggling in their own lives, but they were still there trying to do the best they could for their dogs. And then also just over time at Barks, you know, coming to the full realization of 
how many dogs we have that need homes. And I would absolutely rather that a dog be in a loving home that even if they maybe don't have all the financial resources, I would rather help them, right? And so help them keep that dog in their home. And it's a benefit to them and to the dog. So doing things like the Be More Dog Clinics, or if it's like food pantries or whatever it is that people need to keep their dogs in their homes, I definitely fully support that idea at this point. And I think Be More Dog was a big part of that transition in my head to get there. That's definitely something that I think a lot of us, because we came from an animal welfare background, a lot of shelter rescue kind of work background, that uh, it does take a little bit of, of a shift. But I mean, for me personally, it's been so incredibly personally rewarding <laughs> and and fulfilling to to have made that shift. And, you know, it's really sort of changed the, the course of my life in some ways. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I think I think it's, I mean, adopting my dog from Barks and then I couldn't stop thinking about the dogs at Barks and then I, you know, went back and started volunteering there and then that got me into Be More Dog. I mean, 100%, like that has completely changed my life for like the last 10 years. Like the whole focus of my life is just very different because of that whole experience. Do you have any favorite stories from doing the clinic or, or people that you encounter who have made like a lasting impression on you? I was trying to think back like through a few of the people that really stuck with me. And I think it was at um, Elwood Park a bunch of years ago, we had this one young couple and they came with a dog that they had just very recently um, informally rescued in the community. And I think they didn't have a proper leash and collar. So they just had him on a piece of rope or something. And they were just so thankful for everything that they were able to get done at the clinic. And like, that was just one of those, you know, it's so rewarding to know that we're able to do that for people. Like they can come, they can get microchips and vaccines. And if they want to get free spay neuter, they can, you know, sign up to get that done and they can get food. They can just get everything that they need basically at one stop. And for a lot of people, if they don't have transportation, they're able to walk right to a park near their house and get it. And I think that's just the big difference between the type of clinics that we do versus what a lot of other organizations do. Not that they're not all important, but I think we fill a niche that others in the in the Baltimore area don't by doing these smaller clinics that you know people can walk to from the neighborhood. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there was one other, I think this was also at Elwood. There was like this older woman and she had like a, a very large young dog who was excited, like very friendly, but just excited. And I could see that she was like struggling with this dog. And I remember at this point, I was one of the check-in volunteers. So one of the things that I feel like I'm always paying attention to when I'm there is like, if I see people that are struggling with their dog or maybe struggling to stand and things like that, we'll try to make sure that we can get them a folding chair or like have them move away so that if their dog is not as excited, right, if we put them a little bit further away. So we had had to do a bunch of that for her. And she was still really kind of struggling to hold her dog. So by the time she was ready to go, for whatever reason, I ended up just volunteering to walk her home because I think she was only like a block or so away and she just was really struggling with the dog. <laughs> so I ended up walking her home. I didn't know that one. <laughs> but I think the the takeaway of it, though, is also just that like this woman cared so much about her dog that even though it was like a difficult kind of physical struggle for her to get the dog to the park, um, she did it. Right. And I think that's one of the things that we see a lot. Right that people obviously really, really care about their animals and, um, you know, they're, they're willing to wait in line for hours and, you know, all kinds of things just so that they can get the care. 
And so, Christina, with you being on the board, there's a lot of meetings, there's a lot of emails, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that goes on. What keeps bringing you back to volunteer? Well, I would say it's definitely two things. Um, I think at this point, you'll know the numbers better than me, Erin, but I think we're up to, like, we're probably seeing almost 500 dogs a year between all of our clinics. And I would say, like, a majority of those dogs would probably not get vet care if it wasn't at our clinics. So that's, you know, obviously the main reason I would say that I feel, you know, that I want to continue being a part of the organization is because I think it's important that those animals get care. And, uh, and then secondly, I would say the people, like I've met so many amazing people, you know, volunteering as part of the organization. And then now we're in, you know, we have a lot of other partner organizations who also have a lot of amazing people in them. So both of those things definitely keep me coming back. Well, Christina, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for having me, Erin. This was fun. I've said it before that sometimes a dog comes along and changes the direction of your whole life in the best way possible. And this is what happened with me way back in 2004 when we adopted our first dog, Lucy. And I enjoyed hearing Christina's story and felt a little bit of a kindred spirit with her because adopting her dog Libby in 2012 started taking her life in a direction she never expected either. And I really appreciated Christina sharing about how these volunteer experiences have transformed her thinking over the years. One of the really fun parts for me of putting together these last two Be More Dog episodes has been hearing everybody's memories and hearing about the people that make an impact on them. And in almost every case, I know exactly the story that they're talking about, exactly the clinic or the people that they're talking about. But it was really cool for me to hear Christina talk about this woman who she walked home who was having trouble controlling her dog one day, because that's a story that I didn't know. So that was really fun for me to hear. Okay, next we are going to hear from two of our longtime volunteers whose name are V and Garrick. And I actually interviewed them together at the same time because they're dating after having met at the Be More Dog Clinics. V is someone I met really early on in my Be More Dog volunteer days before we even ever started doing the clinics. And you could always spot V because V had a dog named Crocodile, an elderly, gray-faced, sweet, sweet pit bull who V pushed in a big dog stroller that we jokingly called the chariot. And Garrick is actually a longtime friend of mine who I first met in high school, and he was kind enough to let me recruit him in to being a Be More Dog volunteer too. So let's get started with V and Garrick. So I'm here today with V and Garrick. So how long have you been volunteering with Be More Dog? I'm not sure of the year. Like when I started, I, I mean, I started with Be More Dog before the clinics with, you know, Mr. Crocodile and yes. uh, doing the pit bulls on parade. The The earliest clinics I remember were called pit bull day. Community so, pit bull day. Yep. Yeah. And what made you want to start participating in those? Because what Be More Dog does is different from any other uh, dog volunteer organization. Whereas most rescues, they're helping dogs, but after the fact. And, and what I love about Be More Dog is that it addresses issues before the dogs go to the shelter. Most people don't want to give up their animals and they have to do it for housing or food or you know they can't afford something and I believe that 
dogs are necessary for mental health, especially if life is hard. It really helps to have a dog with you. That's the reason why I joined Be More Dog is that I love the mission of helping dogs stay with their families. And that that's 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 what really brought me in. And and so you have been volunteering for all 10 years that we've been doing these and you usually work at the leash and collar station. Is that right? Yes. And so what does your role usually entail? What are you usually doing all day at the clinic? I work at the leash and collar where we check uh, equipment that people bring, bring their dogs on. And sometimes people don't have uh, a leash or collar on their dog at all. They carry them in. I check that their equipment is safe. If not, then we provide them with a brand new leash and collar. I help show how, how the collar um, fits or harness fits on. And sometimes I also offer help if the person is having trouble controlling the dog, if the dog is strong and they're being bowled over. <laughs> it happens a lot because a lot the dogs are very excited because this is their only time out. Can you think of, I'm trying to think of just some of the different like makeshift leashes and collars that we've seen over the years. Are there any that stand out to you? Uh, laundry lines, um, ca like cables, tie-outs. The worst is like chains. Part of, of trying to to try to to work around and showing them another option that is better. Having a chain around your dog's neck is is not going to help you walk your dog any better. Whereas a collar is much more comfortable and a dog's probably going to act better with a, a flat collar on. And so do you find that people are receptive to what you have to share with them? I would say the majority of them are. I, I, I do think that most of the people who come genuinely want to do what's best for their dog and they just don't have the, the resources, uh, uh, the knowledge resources uh, of how to do that. I, I'm very privileged. I, I was in 4-H as a child in, in dog club and I did dog obedience in 4-H in, well, dog club for entirety of my 4-H time. So that was at least five years. And you know, I have done competitive obedience and agility and um, been in those worlds. And so I'm, I'm privileged to have that I, I went to a Karen Pryor. <laughs> this is dog nerdy, nerdy dog of a Karen Pryor. No, clicker training academy. Yes. I know exactly who she is. Yeah. And um, I did that in the, in the early 90s because the way that I was taught to train dogs in 4-H in the 80s was the Barber Woodhouse way with a choke chain. And so um, we were given and we were actually given a Barbara Woodhouse book to read in, in our 4-H class. And there was no positive reinforcement at all. It, it's just pretty much yanking your dog around. 
So I was very, you know, curious starting in the nineties with the whole clicker training and positive reinforcement, but, but back, back to the folks who come, like they don't have that in their world at all. So I just hope to share what, what I I've been given. Do you have any favorite stories or people that uh, you've encountered that make an impact on you or that, that stay with you? I mean, there are plenty of times when there are, there were dogs that just turned around in, in, in like five minutes with just like a different kind of, of approach to their behavior. So what keeps bringing you back to volunteer? I keep coming back because it is very fulfilling to work, you know, in the community, Baltimore, reaching out to, to folks and, and their dogs. Like, like I said, the majority of the people we encounter truly want to do what's best you know, for, for the health of their, their dog. Garrick, how long have you been volunteering with Be More Dog? I think my first event was in 2012. So I guess like nine years. And what made you want to start volunteering other than I probably asked you. (laughs) You asked if I wanted to come out, like you told me about uh, the events numerous times and said that there was like a position where I would just basically be helping dogs at the vaccine station. So I was like, yeah, for sure. You know, I wasn't doing anything and came out and had a good time. So kept coming back. And so we always call you the dog hugger. (laughs) So basically when the dogs come into the vaccine station, you will kind of corral them and hold them so that the vet can do her exam and, and things like that kind of acting like how a vet tech would in an office yeah i try to just make a rapport with a dog real fast because i mean some don't care but some are real nervous and scared and you know i just try to instantly chill the dog out if that needs to be the case or make friends with the dog and distract them from the fact that they're about to get a needle some of the dogs are more receptive to being chilled out than others because <laughs> you've had some uh colorful encounters over the years yeah, I mean, I've I've been peed on and uh, <laughs> nipped and you know everything else. And we've had to some of the smaller ones. We've had to try to wrap up in a blanket, and then they get out of the blanket and they're biting my hand. It's like just just give them the needle, give them the needle, give them the needle. <laughs> Mixed bag, but uh, most are pretty chill. And and some just come and like they'll just stand there and like like anything's going. Like they don't even know. Like oh okay, didn't even need to distract you. And what have you learned from doing the clinics? Helping people and helping the dogs. Like, it's just real important to me. And, uh, you know, just to see people, like, who perhaps aren't as able as others to get these kind of services through the conventional means. Um, most of them, like, the vast majority of them are, are very, very gracious and grateful for it. And uh, it just feels good to be a part of that on like the the low level that I am like you know just being able to give back just being able to help people and and I'll say it I'm there for the dogs <laughs> like, like it, it's great to help people but I'm there to help those that can't help themselves you know the dogs and that feels good and do you have any favorite people or stories that stand out to you from over the years there's there's like there's always a character at every event but uh I remember uh, a fellow named, I think, Milton and his dog, Scooch. And the first time we saw them, Scooch was kind of up in years. And 
he was talking to us about his dog and about how he'd had him since he was a boy. And the next year, you know, Scooch was not with him anymore. But like Milton had told other people in the neighborhood about us and their thing. And he had also uh, acquired a new dog. And every every year since, we'd seen him with the new dog. And what keeps bringing you back to volunteer? Just a very good feeling, and uh, you know, work with a great bunch of people, and you know, just to, just to be around people who are like minded, and everybody's hearts in the right place and in the same place, like all aiming for the same goal. At the end of the day, like no matter how many people and dogs come, we're there to help them, and it's like, sure, it might not be as easy every single time. Like you know, sometimes the numbers are too big, or the weather's terrible, or you know, what have you. But uh, the the end goal is the same. Like, let's help as many people come with as much as we possibly can. And it feels good to be able to do that. Thank you, guys. So I was trying to think of how long exactly it was that I've known V through the volunteer work. And I know it's got to be at least since 2009 or 2010. And I never knew about V being in 4-H and doing dog training as a kid. And I also never knew that V went to the Karen Pryor Clicker Training Academy. I feel like at Be More Dog, we're so fortunate to have this community of people with these awesome talents and abilities and skills. And everybody just wants to give back and to pay it forward and to use what they've been privileged enough and fortunate enough to gain in their life to help somebody else. And I feel so fortunate that this is the company I keep. And so now the time has come for our final interview. This final interview, last but definitely, definitely not least, is with our awesome volunteer, Rachel. And I saved Rachel for last because she's the one that made me cry at the end. When Rachel started volunteering at the vaccine station a couple years ago, she quickly became like my right-hand person. She was always so dependable and reliable. When the time came for us to expand and have a second vet station, Rachel was immediately our first choice to take on the challenge of running her own vet station. And of course, just this year at our final clinic of the year, we expanded to having three veterinarians with us. And you heard from Christina earlier, who now runs the third vet station. And Rachel has embraced every challenge that we have thrown at her. I'm so glad that we have her. She now is a part of our board meetings and helping us out with our social media and with our communications. And like so many other of these awesome people that you've heard, I don't know that my path in life ever would have crossed with Rachel's if it wasn't for the dogs, and I'm so grateful to the dogs that brought us together, including Rachel's very special Sam. So let's get started with Rachel Felver. So we are here today with Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Erin. Thanks for having me today. Yes, thanks for being here. So how long have you been volunteering with Be More Dog now? So I had to kind of go back and and think about this because... I first learned about Be More Dog, I think in 2012, and I think I came to my first event maybe in 2013. And I think I volunteered for a few years, and I might have taken a break for maybe a year and then came back. So I would say on and off for probably eight years now, but I think for the last at least four, I've been at everything. Yeah. What made you want to start volunteering with us in the first place? So I always love dogs, first of all. That's no joke. And um, I adopted my dog, Sam, back in the, um, December of 2011. And 
Uh, it was, a, I mean, I've had dogs growing up, but this was my first pit bull, my first kind of dog, totally on my own. And we had a little incident about a year later and I was like, she needs some training. And so, um, a friend of mine had connected me to Pauline to come down and train. And I just, you know, really got talking to her, really liked, you know, the methods. And we ended up going to some of her in-person uh, training classes. And I actually met, I was there with Jen was there in her, in the class with me and a couple other people. So got talking. And um, at the time I had a friend whose also name was Aaron and we were like, yeah, we're going to go out and volunteer in an event. And, you know, I really kind of learned a lot about the pit bull breed at that time. It was also when the uh, Maryland court ruling was looming large. And I got really terrified that I was going to have to give my dog away. And so it was just a bunch of those factors. And I just really enjoyed it. I really like deep down love Baltimore. And I really enjoyed being at the clinics. I really enjoyed getting to know everybody and having that kind of common passion to help out. So that's it. And so how do you describe uh, the role that you have participated in at the clinics? Yeah, well, I think I definitely started out as a right-hand person. And I, I same thing, like all, I feel like all the years kind of run together. And I just, I feel like I started kind of helping out writing you know, the, the rabies forms. And I think at first it was just like, Oh, because <laughs> decent handwriting. So I could help out and did that. But, um, and I remember I kind of hopped around at first, like I did the hospitality, I did registration. And then I remember I did one time vaccine clinic and it was just, I liked the fast pacedness. I like being able to see the dogs and kind of help out with that. And I just kept signing up for that. And, you know, I really enjoyed starting to kind of back up. And I remember it was just Dr. Myers and, and you, and we would still see close to a hundred dogs and be there to like five or five thirty and try to get everything done. And, and so like, I actually was really um, kind of honored when you guys were asked me to sort of take on the second vaccine station, because I felt like that showed you had a lot of trust in me. So I'm glad to, to kind of play a role. I think you do such an amazing job. And I'm so grateful for, for all the work that you have put in over the over the years. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and I'm always curious, you know, what everyone's experiences are, like, what have you learned from doing the clinics? Are there things that have surprised you? Uh, what does that look like for you? You know, I think it, it sounds strange, but I think I'm kind of, I sometimes am more surprised for myself and my capacity to, to handle things because I know at times there's some challenging situations we see, but at the same time, you know, maybe it's the words we've heard all along is, you know, you got to remember a lot of these people are bringing their dogs to be seen and get vaccines. And, you know, you just have to kind of keep remembering the greater good that you're kind of working to an, towards an end goal. And I kind of remember even seeing so many things even back in like 2013 and 2014. And just even seeing now, like, I feel like we've really had a switch. Now this year is a little different, obviously, because of the pandemic, but you know how we used to see like the cartons of puppies and everything like that. And then I felt like, you know, in 2019, it was all little dogs, you know, we weren't seeing as many pit bulls. And, and I'd like to think that's, we're having a little bit of an impact on the community. And I'm hoping that we're seeing that. And then on the other side is the people, you know, I think there's so much rampant disinformation out there for what's going on in Baltimore neighborhoods and whatever. And, you know, I admit like we don't go in the best neighborhoods, but the most majority of the people we see are wonderful. You know, I love, I mean, it's just, it, it always warms my heart to have people crying because we were helping them out or giving us hugs and thanking us. And, you know, I try to tell people that ask me why I do this, like, you know, it's just, it makes you feel wonderful that you're doing some small thing, even if it's one dog to really help. Do you have any favorite like people or favorite stories that stick with you um, over the years? Oh boy. One of my best memories, and I think it must've been at Elwood and it must've been back in like 2014 or 2015. I just remember it was November and it was 
freezing. I mean, I'm talking, it must've been like in the twenties or thirties. It was one of the coldest events I remember we ever had. And somehow we had a bunch of dog coats and I don't know if they were donated or with whomever, but I remember we literally had every dog wrapped up in a coat. Like they'd come in, we'd put a coat on and we'd put a blanket around them because it was just so cold out. And I just, I just remember all these cute dogs like being paraded around <laughs> and looking really cute in all their blankets and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's just one memory that sticks out, but I just, I'm always in constant awe when you really think about how big this effort has grown, you know, just in where we've came when I first started to even now, like the partnership with Maryland SPCA, you know, I feel like we're able to offer so many services to the people of Baltimore. And it's just really wonderful that we can do all that. And what keeps bringing you back to volunteer? Love of dogs, first of all. And just knowing that, like I said, and helping, you know, um, you know, I lost my dog this year and it just, it's so it's even more so now it's like, I kind of want to feel like, you know, I have an even more greater interest in doing what I can to help others. So, cause I remember like some days, some, if there was one or two hard cases or something, I remember I would just like come home and I'd be like, Sam, come hug me. <laughs> I just, you know, as I'm sure everybody did. So, you know, it's just like, I want to keep the work going for her and just help as many people as as I feel like I can. It's, I mean, they're long days, but they're really enjoyable days. I mean, I put the dates on my calendar, you know, the beginning of the year and I'm just like, nope, this is, this is set, no other plans. So I really enjoy everything. Like, I don't know how best to put that. And, you know, I hope you guys know how much that it's really meant to me that you have trusted me to, to continuing to run things or take part in your monthly meetings. Like that really means a lot, whether you know that or not. So, you know, I think you guys are an amazing group of people. To, to do this work. And you're, you know, you should be really proud of yourself. I mean, you kind of built this from the ground up with, you know, not a lot of stuff and, you know, you know, all of us are changing lives. That's great. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> I didn't mean to make you cry. Thank you so much to Dr. Myers, to Jennifer, to John, Christina, V, Garrick, Rachel. I appreciate you all so much for sharing your stories with us. There's so many people who help make the Be More Dog wellness clinics possible, especially today more than ever. We have so many vet techs, for instance, that make so much of our work possible. Our vet techs are really the backbone of our clinics and all of the additional services that we've been able to offer. We have these awesome groomers who volunteer their time with us to do all these nail trims, which I know are backbreaking. They're down on the ground on their hands and knees with a hundred dogs. And then sometimes we're bringing these very matted dogs over that need a lot of help and attention. And we are so incredibly fortunate to have these groomers who, who volunteer their time with us. We have so many partner organizations. I don't even want to start trying to list everyone and every organization that's made it possible because I'm so afraid I'm going to miss something. But I hope you all know that I see you all and we value you all. And we're so grateful for your partnership and allowing us to continue to do this work. We have come so far over the last 10 years and I'm so proud of the 3,300 dogs that have been helped through the Be More Dog Wellness Clinics. There was just five volunteers that made this all happen between Pauline, Diana, Jen Milsey, Anne, and me. And now it has grown in leaps and bounds in ways that we never could have expected. And if there's one thing that I'm most proud of that I've done in my life, it's this. And if you're in the Baltimore area and would like to volunteer at a Be More Dog Wellness Clinic, I'll have a link in the show notes that'll take you right to our volunteer form. 
And if you're anywhere in the world and would like to support the work of Be More Dog in the community, I'll have a link in the show notes that'll take you right to our donation page. Your donation of $25 can sponsor one dog through the Be More Dog Wellness Clinics by paying for a sturdy leash and collar, vaccines, dewormer, flea tick treatment, and an enrichment toy. And as a 501c3 nonprofit organization, your donations to Be More Dog are tax deductible as allowed by law. I just wanted to leave you with one last story before I sign off for 2021. I was trying to think of the person that made the biggest impact on me that I've encountered at the clinics over the years. And I remember almost every single story and every single person that's been mentioned so far, and they have all made an impact on me as well. But if I had to pick just one, I'm going to go back to a clinic that we had in September. It must have been 2013 or 14. It was really hot and humid. And we had this gentleman come with a dog with a pit bull that had cropped ears. And I'm talking the kind of cropped where you can tell somebody did these with like their kitchen scissors and it looks awful and mangled and gnarly. And this poor dog's ears were infected and it was so hot out and there were just flies circling around his ears. And we were all kind of standing there like, oh my God, with this dog's ears. And this is where some of that old judgment starts coming up, right? You're like, who would do this? How, how could anybody do this to this dog? And then we get to talking to the gentleman that's with him. And he says, I came out of my house a couple days ago to go to work, and this dog was tied up in my yard. And he had never seen the dog before in his life. But he's like, oh, I guess suddenly I have a dog now. And so he had been trying everything he could to get this poor dog's ears clean and under control. And he was so incredibly grateful when he saw that we were having this clinic and that we were able to help him. Because he was so upset and horrified that somebody could do this to this poor dog's ears. And he was the sweetest dog, this blocky-headed black pit bull. And that was such a big lesson to me, to not jump to conclusions, to have an awkward and uncomfortable conversation so that I can get to the root of something, the truth of something, rather than making all these assumptions and judgments in my head. And I think that lesson and that man, more than anything I've experienced over the last 10 years, has really shaped me as a person. If you're in the Baltimore area and would like to volunteer at a Be More Dog Wellness Clinic, I'll have a link in the show notes that'll take you right to our volunteer form. And if you're anywhere in the world and would like to support the work of Be More Dog in the community, I'll have a link in the show notes that'll take you right to our donation page. Your donation of $25 can sponsor one dog through the Be More Dog Wellness Clinics by paying for a sturdy leash and collar, vaccines, dewormer, flea tick treatment, and an enrichment toy. And as a 501c3 nonprofit organization, your donations to Be More Dog are tax deductible as allowed by law. And so this will do it for the final podcast of 2021. Thank you so much for being here. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave your five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'll have a link in the show notes that'll take you right there. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. You can find me on Facebook at Believe in Dog Podcast and on Instagram at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores. I'll be sharing some more photos from the Be More Dog archives. I know I have a couple good ones of Dr. Myers hugging all the pit bulls that come through the clinic. So until next time, and until 2022, this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs and wishes for a happy and healthy new year.
the Believe in Dog podcast is a production of Hugs and Belly Rubs, LLC.